1: by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. From April 23rd to the 29th, the 7th Annual National Black Trans Advocacy Conference will take place in Dallas, Texas. Joining us today are BTAC's co-conveners, Carter Brown, founder and national executive director of Black Trans Men, Inc., and Black Trans Women, Inc., co-founder, Reverend Kamarian Anderson. The conference was initially a program of BTMI. The group facilitated the launch of the women's portion of the organization at the second Black Trans Advocacy Conference in 2013 following conversations about expanding the group's reach. Carter Brown is a father, son, uncle, leader, dreamer, lover, fighter, and healer. Recognition of the unnoticed and underserved needs of a transgender community compelled him to found BTMI, the first national nonprofit organization that's providing resources, support, and social advocacy to transgender people to aid in their mental and physical health throughout transition with an educational background in journalism and psychology carter brown is well practiced in researching and addressing issues directly the reverend kamarian d anderson is a minister mom and activist she had a calling to the ministry at a young age but she says her gender identity prevented her from ministering at the church she grew up in when she came out as transgender. She was kicked out of her home and shut off from her church, but the experience, she says, made her a stronger person. She's now a minister at Living Faith Covenant Church and is a South regional minister for the national group Trans Saints of a Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. The theme for this year's National Black Trans Advocacy Conference is Journeying Together, Living in Greater Truth and Healing. It will have featured events including Trans Manifest Live, Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Miss, rather, Black Trans International Pageant, Black Trans Advocacy Awards Gala, and Black Trans Family Reunion. Carter and Kamarian, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you both today? Thank you.
2: I'm doing well. Thank you again for this opportunity. I'm well
3: also. It's great to be here talking with you again, Michelle. Thanks for having us.
1: Often, and I'll tell you, even this year, I'll be talking to to groups, and sometimes they can be, you know, gay groups, they can be trans groups, they can be just groups, and it's like, there'll be the men and there'll be the women and they'll say like, well, we we just can't work together. Or, well, why aren't you inclusive? Oh, they can do their own thing. But you two saw the need. You wanted to reach further and you came together to work and do this, this conference. What, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you knew each other for a while, but what was that conversation like? When you started to talk about how do we get beyond you know you still have your separate identities of b t m i and b t w i but mm-hmm. that we you had to work together
3: well and in for my observation, the conversation began just with us uh talking about our own histories you know, together as friends and in remembrance, I mean, we've pretty much known each other since we were very young adults. Carmarion was a teenager. I was barely 20-something, and we did not have community. You know, we always say we were the first trans people that we knew, and we didn't even know it then, you know what I mean? (laughs)
2: Uh
3: Um, (laughs) We were just kind of both trying to find our lane and all we knew that that was a common thing for us that nobody else around us was experiencing and that was the attraction that drew us to become friends and just sort of try to feed each other and encourage each other to you know fulfill their their, uh personal journeys in who they saw their uh, identities are truths as being. And so when you fast forward years later to where, you know, we're both, um, you know, have matured as adults, we've, you know, she's had children and I've gotten married, you know, we've sort of uh, built our lives and our families, we still had not found that community. Um, and so just in conversation of wanting to. Are um, being so grateful for at least having each other and seeing the importance of having community. Um, and that we wouldn't have been able to develop socially as healthy as we had without one another, at least that minimal c- amount of community. I think it was unanimous that we saw the importance of having a community as a black and trans person, uh, where we both wanted to expand our advocacy to our communities and sort of build and empower one another um, based on our personal experiences as well as what we've observed of other people. Hmm. Carmarion, would you have a different opinion there?
2: No, I will say that, um, th- that's precise. And if I could add as well, I think when we were having this, um, rich conversation, cause it, it really wasn't, you know, just something we were around the table, talking and saying, wouldn't it be nice? We automatically (laughs) felt, we felt that the passion that was born in us, it was just Mm -hmm. the appropriate time to do it. It was the right season. Um, Mm -hmm. It was still during a time where visibility for trans identified um, individuals were not yet to the forefront. And there was still a lot of discrimination as it relates to us transitioning as well as our color being black. So mm-hmm. we, when we came to the table, I really think that we both matriculated uh, on a professional maturity level uh, and kn- knew how to narrate our own narrative and not be selfish but actually emphasize into society to say this can be something very big, uh, but there has to be a starting point. In the, and the more we just achieve the meet and, you know, just write on paper, you know, if we don't put any actions to it, and so that's when we immediately, you know, I can't exclude Mrs. Brown um, Carter's wife, who mm-hmm. uh, has who has that business um, uh, uh, certification, credentials, degree, to to who brought those ideas together with us and actually created a blueprint, grant amount, you know, things to, to make us, you know, actually be born. One of the main things I can, yeah, one of the main things that I can say that I really appreciated from Carden's our friendship, when we got to the table, we didn't speak as it was related to friends. We actually spoke as this was already in existence, and I remember mm-hmm. uh, one conversation we were having as it relates to planning. What do we foresee for our community? The first thing that Carter said was is that I can't speak for the trans in the community. I'm not a woman. My narrative Mm -hmm. is going to be different than the trans women narrative, and that just that clicked the light bulb. And that's when it was decided that we will show the world that we um, can work together as both male and female, but as well as have separate tracks that will invite the community when they need that silo to have that thriving and that empowerment that's needed from a womanhood or from a malehood or feminine or masculine, however you want to um, describe it, but yet we will still always come together as a family because I knew early enough just from my theological background and what I have coined as trans theology is, is that if this kick off the way that we're very passionate about we are really living in the abundance of why the garden of Eden was created. And that's for us to be authentic. That's for us to be in fellowship. That's for us to be able to worship our, 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 um, ourselves um, and what God and our creator for those that subscribe um, to creation. And so, you know, I brought that to the table and, you know, we just sat back in that hunger just kept developing, and it was to a place where it's like, okay, if we don't produce something, even if it's just a weekend summit, well, of course, Michelle, you've kept up with our work, and mm-hmm. and I can very much remember that it wasn't just a weekend summit. People, the bus, you know, went out, the people showed up, The, the our family, um, trans family was excited, and this is where we are now in our seventh year, you know, the year of completion where – you know, those thoughts that we once had, we've put them, you know, um, in the atmosphere. We certainly have put actions towards it. And now for this seven year, we're going to be walking into a, a new order. And so we're just very thrilled that we did not sleep, slumber, get discouraged mm-hmm. about the vision and the passion that was given to the both of us. And that's the beauty of it. Because a lot of times, you know, we don't want to collaborate or we don't want to feel credit where credit is due. So I think... Carter and I have built such a cohesive partnership where you know we're leading together, but we really are leading as a team member because everybody that we bring to our tables are leaders. We're just providing an opportunity to have those courageous and, and intentional conversation education so we can thrive as a community because we are the Adam and Eve of the Garden of Eden within our community and into society.
1: Well, you know, it, it's interesting how you talk about, about building community. Um, earlier this year, I talked to Bree Campbell, who is one of the founders and executive director of Trans Sisters of Color. And she was saying that, you know, sometimes when they're sitting around there, uh, someone said that, you know, that they what brought them together was trauma, the trauma of living as trans in this, in this world. And from that trauma that then they became a family and their own sense of community. When you were thinking about doing that, did you sense that some of the people who would come to B.T.A.C. were people who had been traumatized, who were living in communities of trauma, but helped them move on beyond that to live being their authentic selves to being, empowered
2: well I, I can certainly answer when I was at the table when we speak about trauma because we know that trauma is certainly real at the forefront of someone who's trans identified um, we we did think about that and the importance of that the reason why um, our missions both you know speaks about our voices uh, and mm-hmm. speak about be the, the change in the world that you want to see really honed in on Having resources, but more or less not to celebrate the trauma and continue to bring it up because society is going to do that for us anyway. We Mm -hmm. wanted an opportunity where it could be trauma free that come to the conference, meet with us, come, you know, come to our, you know, to one of the chapters that we have, you know, um, in the United States, you know, come to our, you know, some of our blogs that we have and release the trauma. Give us the hurt and the trauma, so you won't have to hurt any longer. And then we will take that cumulative hurt, and we will find programs um, under um, BTA and under BTWI and BTMI, and we will find ways where we can use that hurt as a tool to not only heal um, those individuals, but heal a nation when they come to us. And so we're real intentional each year providing some type of love of empowerment, a healing ceremony, because we understand that that is a reality to us on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. I will be remiss if I didn't say that when we spend these six days together, um, we are excited when we get there, and we we are deeply sad because we don't want to go back to the place sometime where Mm -hmm. we came from because it is so peaceful. If, if 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 anyone's never been, you know, um, to a, a conference or a gathering where everything is so inclusive, so respectable, everybody can be who they say that they are, and they're respected. There is no no sense of um, adding to trauma, but there's just a lot of love, a lot of healing, a lot of restoration. And, of course, a lot of fellowship. I mean, people find love there. It gets That's how deep it gets. And so when we speak about trauma, we certainly recognize that I did not come to our table without my own struggles and trauma, and I don't believe Carter did either. So what we had to do was find ways of what hurt us and, as well, how did we excel through the hurt and how do we write a mission to the movement? And that's the key word. That we this is a movement, and, and our mission supports that movement. Without a mission, then there's no movement. And I think that's mm-hmm. where we derive from because we have been able to really hone in on those things that have held us down. And you're right, trauma is at the forefront of that for us when we are transitioning, living out our authenticity because, you know, we're trying to minimize um, the decision of us being concerned about what other people think, but yet how do we present ourselves in the world to be the change that, you know, we want to be able to see how do we be in position to, to um combat that my boys do count if I'm at the table or not, if I'm on the menu or not, if I'm on the menu, I'm going to taste good. And if I'm at the table, I'm going to leave you some educational tools because we're not just doing this um, selfishly just for who's at the table. We're doing this for our entire family and the next generation.
1: You know, Carter, it seems to me that you have, you know, in talking to you over time, there has been that intentionality of making it, because it's a conference, but like we've talked, like, there's part of it where it is like a family reunion, that welcoming, mm-hmm. that that love, and it's been like very intentional. I know that, that, that you've talked about that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Was that did you did you envision it being what it is, and or did you, did it just evolve to being more of this great family reunion?
3: Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would say that it just organically evolved into that because that's what was put into that. You know what I mean? It, it's it's like those were the ingredients that made it. Although we you know had in our mind. Uh, we're going to create a recipe for this dish that we want to make, you know, but because the recipe was, um, you know, custom or, or, um, unique and authentic, um, it created something that can't be duplicated. You know what I mean? And Uh something that it, it. Created what those ingredients put together were supposed to make. You know, and, and it's very interesting that you um, made that point, and I totally second um, Carmarion's statement regarding the impact of trauma on our community and how that draws people to tag. I mean, it, it definitely, trauma definitely is what, you know, brings a lot of uh, people together for tag, but it's the empowerment you know, that they get when they come. It's the empowerment that builds us, that unites us, that moves us, you know, like Carmarian said as a movement. And it's the empowerment that actually makes BTech you know, and, and we when we speak of empowerment it's on a broad scale and it's also on an individual scale where we're talking about empowering the community in having our visibility and our voices um, in arenas where we're talking about changing policies and it's talking about you know those intimate conversations that we're helping people to have with their families or with their jobs Um, the trainings and the panels that we're sitting on trying to educate people one by one or group by group or audience by audience but it's also those very personal moments that we have at BT where we're able to meet people that can see us as the spiritual being that we are for the human that we are for once we're in a place where we're not being judged for being black and trans or poor or you know um, an immigrant or short or not having this surgery or the various things that we're battling every day all day in our daily lives finally we're somewhere we where we feel like we're home where we're accepted where we're relatable and we're genuinely loved and and those feelings are something that come organically that I just absolutely cannot explain that's nothing that we've written into any program or any conference itinerary or agenda you know what I mean these are things that happen just from the spirit of the people that get together it's not something that you know I bring to the conference or Carmarion brings to the conference or SP brings to the conference it's a contribution of all of our spirits It's a contribution of all the ingredients that go into making BTAC that give us this wonderful wonderful empowerment uh, that we have and that makes us all proud to say we have a home and a family that we call BTAC um, you know so <laughs> In short, well, that would be my answer to that. Hi,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I was talking to a trans man from Atlanta who I hadn't met, but who is working with an organization here that that deals with a lot of trans youth, and we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know images and things that what would help and I had told him you know how at one point in time I had approached this group and I said you know how great it would be to send a a contingency to to BTEC and he was like well what is BTEC and I was telling him and he said he said I haven't been there he said but that's that group that has all those pictures of people smiling because, you know, he said in his life, usually he's going to some places where young people are, are you know, are have, have been thrown out of their homes or he's going to things mm-hmm. where people aren't smiling. And he said, and to see his community in a space where they came mm-hmm. through and he saw people who he knew who were like him and they were smiling because
3: right.
1: it's, that can be life. And I was awesome. like, Wow. You know, he had never been, but what he came across was like, this is something, this is us, us, the best of us.
2: I, mean, I, and I will say that it does me joy when I go back and look at past pictures or people still are posting on their social medias or, or you know, their media um, pages, you know, from previous, and remember this, and, and we're smiling, and uh, that really motivates uh, m- me to continue knowing that the work and the effort that I'm bringing to the table as a leader that, you know, it is benefiting our community. Um, the flip side of that is, is that the pictures you won't see, because uh, I think it's very intentional for me to mention we don't post the pictures where, we, where we're where we crying and when we're mm-hmm. having, you know, those uh, moments of reflection mm-hmm. and those moments of accountability. I even go as far as even when we as the leaders and those that are appointed to Assist us in planning for the conference when we're just tired, and you know I turn into a big baby when I'm tired. I cry, and you know mm-hmm. Carter, as big brother as he is. You know, <laughs> get it together. You know, <laughs> but we don't po- we don't post that. But some of the disappointments I will say for me, when I'm in you know my si- my silos you know at home or when I'm reflecting uh, of a job well done is that I also cry because I know that there's a lot more. Uh, that we can bring to the table and that's when, that's when the cry goes out to, you know, to, to the nation and say, hey, we're here, uh, we recognize that we can't you know, you know, have it all in six days or we don't have the bandwidth or maybe it's not our experience and you know, that's why we're so heavily about you know, when we come around to the conference asking people to submit their abstracts because we know that we want to be very intersectional. Uh, with our programmatic, and there's a lot of times where it may feel that I get disappointed because I dropped the ball, but if I didn't know or have the skills for it and no one showed up, then I have to just compensate it with something else. So I bridge those two together is, is that it makes me feel comfort to know that those mouths they're receiving something, but on the back end, when we're doing this hard labor and planning and jogging our memories and our business developer trying to, you know, to secure funding and writing grants up, sundown. Sometimes it is disheartening, you know, because we just want to give so much. But I'm very much appreciative that those smiles reflect the hard work that people don't see that Carter, I, the business developer, you know, our conference coordinator and, and, our, and our board and our advisory team, the things that we have to go through year in, year out, um, sometimes sacrificing our own personal life, we can make sure that when the six days come we are all in community and we're not trying to leave anyone out you know it doesn't matter you know what your transitional state is we realize that transition is not an aesthetic transition is actually um, in the mind and we want to be such. Um, uh, an avenue of your smile, that you're smiling because you have wholeness, you're smiling because the reconciliation finally has set in, you know, the redemption of you looking in the mirror affirming yourself has settled. And so that does bring me joy, Michelle, when you share that story to me, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, what that hard work is paying off because it will dry up my tears, you know, and now I can cry mm-hmm. with knowing that, wow, If we we just touch one, two, three, a minimum, the work that we're doing is changing. And, and again, it means that we're coming to the table. We recognize as leaders we're also trying to be a change in the world that we want to see, and we're making avenues for others to support that, see themselves, be empowered, and go out and open up their mouths because we know that every voice counts.
1: And it is difficult because I've talked to people who are are trying to do the work, and they said, like, there are certain, the mainstream organizations that can provide statistics and this and that, and they get the funding. But the things that you're trying to help people do every day, getting from going, it's, it's a different type of advocacy. It's, a, it's like, like you said, it's like building them. I mean, it's helping people deal with the trauma. It's someone, yes, it's important, you know, to fight the bathroom laws, but what about with that that when you go in to get your driver's license and maybe Mm -hmm. you get challenged about your gender even though you have all the necessary paperwork that somebody is still going to challenge you and if you don't get your driver's license you can't get to the job if you're able to get the job which might be discriminating against you again because you're trans and so there are all of these other things and this is important that when you have these conversations that Although there are the smiles, there are the, but talking about the day-to-day hardships and what it what it's like, and to get beyond that and feel strong and empower and sharing information, but you know sometimes the grantee world doesn't get it. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So I mean they don't.
2: I mean let me let just you threw that out there. You know from a from a a, a, a leader standpoint. And I believe all leaders um sacrifice something. So but, but what DTAC is offered to society and for those that are our allies and those that certainly are a trans family, we can be the first on the front line to say that uh it is a slap in the face, knowing that there is funding opportunities certainly that we zone for as well, um, that we don't get because people still don't know how how to, ha- have to have the intentional conversation about redoing racism, as well as their, their prejudice as it relates to who we are as trans people in society. Uh, but yet, you know, when there's a, a, a uproar in the politics, or if there's an uproar because of the bathroom or anything like that, then everybody wants to be able to show up, but you showing up empty handed. I appreciate their presence and I appreciate you know, this doesn't apply to everyone, you know, whoever's listening mm-hmm. and who's guilty of having resources and have neglected giving it to us, it only takes an opportunity and a chance. I will tell you because, you know, I, as a leader, I get to see, you know, um, how we deal with the grants and our grants are not disappointed whatsoever with, as a matter of fact, they personally reach out to us because we meet our objectives. We're doing something actively. We're not just sitting on it. We're not paying salaries. You know, this work is free. You know, and many mm-hmm. people don't know that, you know, the money that we receive is p- solely for operations for the minimum mm-hmm. money that we do receive. And I swear we have a business developer, which is, you know, Mrs. Esby, um, Carter I mean, Brown, who is able to take something, and actually multiplied. I think that comes from her New Orleans blood, but my goodness, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, how did you take, because I know what the amount was, you know, and I'm looking at that, you know, we are operating still with some sustainable funds that we're able to search, because we made it in our minds that if we get it to funding or not, if we don't, if we get the private donations or not, then we will still be able to do our part in offering them something. And what we offer is nothing, it's not generic. We're we're not we're not settling because we because society has allowed us to want to settle with the things they give us. When they come to this particular conference, I guarantee you there has been some sacrifice made, you know, to be able to have what we have. We don't just serve, you know, chicken is an option, but that's not all you getting, you got You got high end quality because it gives us an opportunity Mm -hmm. to know our Mm -hmm. worth and what and and what we should deserve. Because again, what you see visually, what you hear through your ears, how we are empowered allows our voices to be even stronger. So when we are at the table, invited or not, we have some substance that we can speak about because we gonna be taxed and they treated us with royalty. And I dare you, you know, who who is a national you know, who has been around a lot longer getting glucus of money and all you're doing is giving me a small little chicken breast, you know, with two or three pieces of carrot. No, that's mm-hmm. not like that. So this is what we need. And so even through our hospitality, is what I'm trying to say, it is empowering enough, you know, when we look around um, of the quality of things because we deserve it, because we've had the short end of a stick all this time. And so that's my plea and my cry, that the more hands we have on deck, the more we will come up with more strategic ideals, uh, and the more we'll have to show this, because I may not know all of the Grants, even though Grants is my world. I may not know all the Grants out there, but those that come to the table and want to be part of we don't have no initiation process. You know, we mm-hmm. welcome everyone with love, open arms. Mrs. Carter will kiss you on the cheek. I will give you a bar hug, and Carter will look at you and, 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 and say, you know, daughter, niece, nephew, because everything is family-oriented. All we want is to show up, have fun, and whatever you find your hands to do, do it, because we are, we're, we're, you know, we're operating with this minimum funding that we're just able to just flip, and I'm grateful to the universe that we're able to do that, because you imagine, you know, if we're not overlooked or, you know, um, the, the, the funders are able to actually be in the house, they can come and see the remarkable work that we're doing to change mm-hmm. lives and to grow people, what we can do when more funding is able to be available. I'm talking about, you know, just seven year will blown up. The eighth year were blown up and then therefore, um, we, there will be more sustainable types of conversation and sustainable type of programs that will just leave from BTAC and actually hit all of the spectrum of social determinants and all of the sectors um, of the government, all the way up to the white house. They will know that black trans lives do matter.
1: Okay. And, you know, we're going to take a break on that point. And when we come back, we're going to get into BTAC past, present, future. So we will be right there. And we're back talking with Carter and Kamari. And Carter, see you going here and there and supporting. And I would say, and I guess uh, other areas who are doing it, and I think that that's the other thing. It's like, okay, it, you, everybody has to come to Dallas, and we're all going to run it through here. It's not like that. It's like you are very happy to say, here, take this and run with it in your city. Uh, I'll come and support you and then come on down to Dallas, you know. As you are you are these other chapters, are they just are they often coming out of BTAC, then people going back to their place and saying, Hey, I wanna keep this going?
3: Yes, absolutely. And that's that's uh one, another thing that, you know, BTEC or, or or BTA does that's often so often overlooked, you know, as you say our grantors, as well as the community itself, is just the leadership and the community organizing that we're contributing to the black trans movement. I mean you have people that come to BTAC and primarily it's black trans men taking a leadership role and again we're so often overlooked, you know, in our role in the black trans movement, in our initiative. But primarily it's black trans men that walk away from BTAC and say, This has been an empowering thing we need this in my city. I want to take this on my back and go back and do what I can to answer the call from the needs of my community. You know, brother, how can we do this? And it's just, as you said, you know, they have the initiative and we offer the support, you know, and, um, you know, as Carmarion said, it's not even a matter of, you know we have funding for those things you know we make we make it happen with what we have but our priority is to be there you know where the community calls Um, you know when we talk about People not getting it, and specifically grantors not getting it. You know, here we are seven years in, and I can honestly say that, you know, the, the, the grantors and supporters that we have had for um, the issues and disparities of specifically black trans men have been very, very strong allies, people like yourself that do get it. That do actually care and can see you know what what the um, challenges are for being a black trans man but for the most part I'll say you know on a mass scale people still don't get it that we still aren't visible enough you know there's no visibility or representation for black trans men in all the places that we need to be There isn't funding to sit down with the brothers and talk to them about the the social transitions that they're going to go through and how to deal with now that you're being, you know, profiled by police and being pulled over left and right and taken to jail. And what do you do when you get there? And, you know, and these sort of things now that you're presenting as a black male in society first, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? These are things that I've had to go through in the social transition. You know, we got brothers that need to be, their voice is represented in the hashtag me to movement mm-hmm. we there you know what I mean we have you know it, it, it's 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 a lot of social advocacy involved um for for black trans men um you know our health disparities and the the care and neglect that we often inflict on ourselves for fear that you know we'll be rejected Our the experiences of being rejected from healthcare professionals. But we don't really have um, the visibility um, or, or the voices being recorded or accounted for, or acknowledged, so that our issues um, can be supported. Um, so that's why it's so important for us to have community organizing and building leadership amongst ourselves within our communities um, and taking it back so that we're having these conversations um, not only on a national scale, but in our homes, in our neighborhoods, you know, where there's brothers here in Texas that are going through what I'm going through. You can go back to California and connect with brothers that are going through what you're going through and make something happen. We have made a change here in Texas. We have made a change in California, you know, in North Carolina and wherever we are as black trans men and women speaking up, you know, and even if you don't associate, Um, the, the visibility of black trans advocacy directly with this organization. I'm very comfortable in saying you can attribute it to black trans advocacy somehow because, you know, seven years ago, advocacy for black trans people was not as prominent, you know, Uh but it took us as black trans people and as black trans advocacy, the organization, taking a stand in, in consistency without apology and in confidence that, you know, we're here in support of ourselves, even when it was our own black trans community that was speaking against us saying, Hey, we should be more inclusive. It shouldn't just be all black or, you know, why does it have to be black trans men? It should be, black people, I mean, or people of color or, you know, so forth and so on mm-hmm. where that. They just felt that just saying we were black and trans and proud was offensive. You know, I feel that we were able to build community and build pride and empower our black trans community where now they see the beauty in themselves. So even when you see people creating other organizations, when you see black trans people doing other things and pursuing their dreams or, you know, uh, are, are, are implementing their skill set of what they have to offer to the trans community from a different organization or from a different industry then please you know I say that you can attribute a lot of that to black trans advocacy because the impact that we've had is gone beyond any amount of funding that we've received and and, you know what we're doing is making history everybody that's involved you know not just black trans advocacy and all of our you know staff and attendees and so forth but everybody that's putting stake in the black trans movement is currently making history in um, all of it is black trans advocacy. You know what I mean? Because if you're mm-hmm. black and trans and you're visible, that's black trans advocacy.
1: Well, you know, it seems like there's like two games and it sounds like, it seems to me that black trans, trans advocacy through, you know, BTMI and I, the brothers and what's doing that's the groundwork that's happening where Mm -hmm. the media often only wants to focus on certain people. And, you know, they have made a little niche for black trans women, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, which also in some ways also victimizes and traumatizes them because it puts them like, you know, well, they are quick to show that they're, if they're sex workers, if they're getting shot, if they're getting murdered, but we know that's happening for black trans men and through having these chapters of you're keeping that awareness up and having that mm-hmm. discussion, you know things have changed I mean really, things have changed. We went under politically to where mm-hmm. we went from a point where we were going to the White House, we had people talking about trans issues in a different way to where now even more, particularly as a black trans man, a young black man you know we are even more endangered, you know. And right. there are more things going on, like to turn back the hands of time. Last year, you were saying how not only were you going to come together and talk about it, but maybe to sort of strategize, talk about action plans, talk about some of these issues and what you needed to do to not only protect and but also empower the community moving forward. So mm-hmm. in, this, in our year under our current administration, how do you feel that both of you coming into this, do you feel that, you know, is it even more important to have like these, right? where a family comes, we round a circle, uh, the circle, the wagons, and say, you know what, we need to be more mindful of this, but we also need to be pushing to protect our rights.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that's a very another really important part of having those regionals uh, or or the weekend summits that we go to that you're referring to when we travel um, because it's sort of a follow up and into sort of solidify what actions need to be taken here. What can we actually do right now? you know what I'm saying to address these things. You know, is it pulling people together in order to vote? Is it just pulling people together to talk about, you know, what the employment is and, and what the employment status is of people here and um connecting, you know, networking with one another, um and helping, you know, to update resumes or, you know, contacts, so forth and so on. So you know, it, again, it, it's more on a community organizing, um, uh, basis that we're approaching, um, addressing the issues that we've identified in the black trans community. It, we can, mm-hmm. we, of course, we see the importance of, you know, being in the, uh, in the, in the, um, legislative places, you know, in Austin, we have brothers that go there, you know, when it's time for trans people to show up, you know, we definitely, anytime trans people are being heard that we definitely want to have our voices and our faces there. Absolutely. But again, we're talking about as black, trans people, we have, you know, a specific plight uh, with specific needs um, that only we can address. Um, and that's why we have to do that starting in our direct communities uh, with community
2: organizing mm-hmm. yes, let mm-hmm. me add as well to Michelle, you said something earlier that um, Carter has responded to, but one of the things that I also heard too is the separation um, of trans women visibility and mm-hmm. trans men's visibility, and how we as a trans woman, yeah, we, it seems that we're always in, in, um, you know, in the media, you know, if it's a hate crime, you know, if it's something that that has discriminated us and, and you're absolutely right. You know, um, you know, and, and as well, the media never shows the, you know, the good thing, you know, about, you know, our trans identified persons unless, you know, we don't want an Oscar or something. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, we alluded to something earlier, um, on how, BTA operate, you know, with the two components of BTWI and BTMI is, is that we realize that when we leave each year and um, we, you know, commission and empower those individuals to go back to their respective places, you know, we we call that community mobilization, okay? Uh, And this is more of a national uh, mobilization to go back to your respective places. But one of the things that I can appreciate Um, especially for those who have gone back and mobilized, is is that we still don't leave anyone behind. Um, You know, I'll give an example like of our our reigning king now, Um, Mr. Trenton. One of the beauties about his platform is is that when he's speaking about trans male issues, he never forgets to bring the trans woman along Mm -hmm. because he's at that table. And even when I, you know, am traveling, um, as we discussed earlier before, you know, we started this call, You know, I can't have intentional conversation, you know, about the needs of the trans women. Yes, that's my narrative, but I also have to include that some of those needs, and if not all of those needs, also um, are lacking within, you know, the trans uh, masculine community as well. And I think that's the beauty of the relationship when you have an organization such as DTA, when we're able to come together on the one roof, all genders across the board, And we are empowered to have a voice independently, but also a voice for the community. And the community just doesn't find, you know, your feminist community or your masculine community. It's the community at large. We are proud to be black and we're proud to be trans-identified individuals because all of our voices count. And I wanted to bring that up because I think a lot of times what happens, there's a lot of other organizations doing amazing work. You know, we're not the only one, you know, per mm-hmm. se, but they're doing amazing work. But I believe that BTA is the only structure that have this commonality of it that mm-hmm. we're not going to leave anybody behind. Um, right. you know, from the scope of work that we have set for. That's the reason why we have two different leadership tracks. That's the reason why, you know, Carter, I, and our business developer, um, Mrs. Carter, we're on the phone sometimes till 2, 3 in the morning because we're trying to find out how do we merge things together because we promised ourselves that even though we're running separate tracks, because, you know, we do have some some, some differences, but we also have a lot of similarities that we don't mm-hmm. always showcase. And we always are strategic enough to, to bring and combine some of our initiatives because we know that it's a benefit for our community, regardless of the gender.
1: What I often point to BTAC and the work that you guys do and how you're able to, because like you said, you might, and like we were talking about our conversation before, you might get that seat at the table and they're just going like, well, you know, we need to be inclusive. We'll invite this trans woman. But once you sit there, you open the door. So if they're talking about me too, you say, me too and my trans brothers. If they're talking about health care, yes, and my trans brothers. So sometimes, you know, we can't get in a contest as to who's getting, like, the most attention. It's like, as a community, who gets their foot in the door and then open it wide so that we can talk about all of these things because you have people who who will say, Are there trans men other than uh what's Sherison? Chaz Bono, you know. Right. Are they trans men? There are a lot of trans men who, like Carter, are fathers, uncles and and that you need to know that Carter is a dad and I'll tell you my my best Carter story is when he talks about taking his daughter to school and her turning around and telling him that, you know, he could let go of her hand. She got it. You know, She and it was like that, that's just like the humanity of that. If you open up and you're talking about parenting and if you're on a platform where you're talking about, you know, parents and you bring that up, then you have to think that, you know what? Yes. He is a parent. You are a parent. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And your goals for your children, for your families, are no different than anyone else's who is a parent. So, I mean, uh, it's, just, it's just like, so So last year you said you were going to leave. What did you, when you, at the end of last year, when you said, you know, you were telling me that you were going to, hopefully you were going to sit down, and I'm trying to think of what was the theme from last year? Uh, any, you said that you were going to, you know, not just sort of talk about, but just sort of talk about some real things. What what mm. did you leave last year with that this year we'll see in BTAC 2018?
3: Well, last year we left with, or I'll say I left with, I can only speak for myself, um, mm-hmm. what I left with in the, the intent, uh, the message that I would like, for everyone to have left with was the importance of the presence you know Mm -hmm. and just really seeing the value of each other's lives um you know it's true that we're all trans we're all black and we all are dealing with all these you know horrible inequalities or you know inequities and disparities because we're black and trans or and that's something that brings us together again it's okay that the trauma brings us together but you know just appreciating um, each other in the present and that we are here by appreciating that not only means you know showing gratitude for one another and respect for one another um, and valuing each other's lives but actually doing something with our time here you know so whatever it is whatever skill set that you have to offer to make the the, uh, black trans community more empowered more self-sufficient more valued, to bring more equality and humanity um, to the black trans community it's urgent that you do it today you know you have to implement what you have today you know it's mandatory that we create something as being a part of the universe you know we all must be creators of something you have to leave something as, as just as a part of your your human walk and so that's really what um, I walked away with and the intent for everyone to walk away with last year and so it in, in what that leads us to for 2018 is that you know you know again the theme is journey together in greater truth and healing which is just saying that, you know, it it just reemphasizes that we're all um, together in this walk. In the walk, we're healing, you know, together just by, you know, accepting our realities um, and finding the beauties of our existence. Um, It's what heals us, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's what um, helps us remove all those layers and get to our true selves and that within itself is a a very very healing thing but it's so often a challenge for us to do as individuals and it's something that often we have to do or that is better explored when we do have a community or someone um to do that with someone who can celebrate the beauty in us that we can't see, you know, that you can love me until I see that I'm worth being loved, you know, that you can appreciate me till I can see for myself. I have characteristics that should be appreciated, you know, and as we journey together, um you know in our past and in our love and acceptance for one another we're able to heal ourselves and find love and acceptance for ourselves mm-hmm. and so for 2018 you know that is um the goal as well um as you know as we continue to build on Um, ourselves as a black trans community Um, I feel that this is where we are and as Colbert said this is the year of completion Uh, so we're hoping that you know this is the year that we can really see um, a a level of completion in our work and our efforts to to build our black trans community and heal our black trans community Um, and to you know we were speaking in a conversation a little earlier today, and um, Carmer is saying that primarily what we want to know is, you know, at this point, what are we missing? Mm. You know, if we haven't built a strong foundation, you know, within these seven years, you know, if we haven't at least given our community the keys, the outlet, you know, the 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 preview, the the location you know of where to find this healing um that you need in order to go on and do all these other amazing things that you find that you're um, made for you know what are we missing
1: okay that's it you know because i was listening to what carter was saying and you know Mm -hmm. i've been talking to i talk to a lot of people but anyhow one of the things that that they are that even within our our big tent our lgbtq tent there's transphobia. I attended a memorial service for a trans woman who had passed, and they had it at, you know, the funeral home because her church, as she came out as trans, she did not feel welcome there. Now, you mm-hmm. went through that, okay, and you, mm-hmm. you talked about how you made it, made you stronger, and you were able to now come back and you talk about trans faith. And I know Carter has talked about how we always at BTAC have engaged the spirituality of people and what that means. Mm -hmm. But do you still see, you know, I mean, we always know that churches can be the most segregated place on Sunday morning. But are they still the most transphobic places on Sunday mornings? And how do you address that? And do you talk about that at BTAC?
2: So we do have a component at BTAC where we do respect spirituality. Um, We don't hone in on specific religion, but we do offer plethora of opportunities. um, If that's not a meditation or opportunity to heal, if that's uh, chanting, if that's traditional Christian prayer. We offer all of that because sometimes our community members and our family that shows up, they do not have those level of resources without being judged. And so you're absolutely correct The transphobia in, um, in spiritual places and houses are still at a high. And even though I went through it well before, you know, there was anything known as transgender people. I mean, I transitioned, you know, June will be 22 years of this year. So I've seen it firsthand where I was kicked out of church, and you know, thank goodness, you know, I was um, I was reinvited back in, and I was only reinvited. And this is how I want to respond to this: the reason why we still have the level of transphobia, especially for the trans community, out of any other community of the LGBTQIA+, is because theologically no one's taking the time to find where we are in Scripture. And no one wants to um, comprehend after are rewriting Scripture. But every Sunday when we're sitting in these spiritual houses and preferably the Christian houses, which is my background, we're recycling messages. You know, we're going to school and we're listening to someone recycle a message that they learn and add to some some form of Um, educational um, history behind it that simply if we are in position to do like we do every Sunday is really take whatever the word that you feel you are empowered to give to the congregation you are exegetically teaching that text okay we don't know you know uh, if it sounds good especially within black church if it sounds good you know, we we clap, we may get up and shout, we may holler, we may give more money, we may increase our ties. because it sounds good, but I don't think that the leaders of these spiritual houses are really capable of defining where the transgender community lies spiritually and it starts from creation. And so until someone, and, and, and that's the work that I do, and, and I have some other colleagues that do it, but until it is embraced and they actually see... Um, that we are found in scripture then I think that it will lift some of the transphobia of acceptance um, in some of these spiritual houses. You know that is the reason why the the increase of affirming and inclusive ministries are developing is because we found an opportunity to really just preach love, you know, and to allow everyone know that they were created well and they were created good and the Elohim, which is one. Uh, is in all of us that is what makes who we are as individuals. it really is not about if um, I'm LGBTQIA plus it's about me as a human being and what my purpose is and so you're absolutely right and it's just it's, it's a really big struggle particularly in the black spiritual places and so when when our family shows up at the conference um, for those that don't have that level of support or cannot exercise their spirituality without being judged or don't know how to get to that point of honoring their spirituality while honoring their authentic, authentic self, um, we have clinicians and we have certified people, uh, I, I, I must add and might add, that um, can take uh, us through a track of finding our place spiritually in this universe and that's just another form of empowerment that we recognize because we are black and we're intentionally about, uh, uplifting our black. We don't segregate whomever is a person of color, uh, which is part of the black community. Anyone that's not part they're our family as well. But what we found out was is that we have so much trauma and we have so many doors closing because of the standard that we have in black communities that really technically is so discriminating that by the time they show up to our conference, to our family reunion, we dispel the myth of all of that through teaching, education, fellowship, storytelling, as I like to call it, testimony. We do all of that to uplift someone's spirituality because we Mm. thrive as a black community through our ancestors teaching us that spirituality is what brings us hope out of trauma. It's what brings us healing out of adversity, and so we recognize that what we won't do is, is that we will not put our own language to how someone should operate spiritually, but give them an opportunity and an atmosphere to rehearse, practice, and live out their own way of spirituality in an in inclusive, in, in, a, in, a, in a welcoming, but more or less in a brave space where they can feel that they're thriving, because just that six days of gasoline, will take them much farther, and as the more they go farther, the more they're healed to continue to go. Practice don't just make perfect, it makes permanent, and that is what we're trying to do is just provide these these programmatic things that really is our everyday living, and if we Mm -hmm. can enjoy that for six days, we know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, we know that that, you know, we will move, some of us will move from the valley experience and be at the mountain and even look, when we get to the mountain, look at the valley and to see who else that we can go down, because we don't mind going back down, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to stay in the mountain. We're going to go there because we're going to have a tech one that we, you know, we achieved this in our area. Now I must go back down and help somebody else back up, and that's a continuation of our conference. Carter alluded to it earlier that, you know, I, I must add even last year at our conference, there's always a stepping stone to our theme. So last year we had the Letting Ourselves Through Ultimate Service, which we acronym LOADED. That's and all is. Uh-huh. We were, yeah. What we were speaking about was uh, our humanity and, and uh, what, you know, how we define unconditional love as being someone who's trans-identified, but we also wanted to empower them that it's so much a not- it's not about those on the outside who is loving you or not loving you. How do you see yourself through your own love? And, and that's what we started last year to prepare us because we understand that self-love is the core of joy, it's the core of our peace, it's the core of our empowerment, and we can't do anything to thrive until we co-sign and love ourselves first. And then that's where we we came with the theme for this year because this is our completion year. We're still going to journey together, living in our grace, truth, and healing. We're accomplishing everything that we've done, you know, uh, in the last six years, on the seventh year. But we really want to talk about the intention that we are living our truth. So how do we uh, amplify that? You know, for not just ourselves, but for others to live out their truth and their healing by actually examining to them and describing to them that our truth all this time, no matter what state of transition you in or in your authenticity, it was your roadmap, and as well as it was your light to navigate you to what true inclusion is, and that we must all accept that our truth is beyond just equality, but our truth coming together for the six days, we are, we are living the essence of liberation when we, when we come together. And so th- that's where, where we are for, for this year is to just let everybody know that we will journey together. We're not going to leave anybody behind. And that we mm-hmm. will live out our great truth and healing because our truth allows us to, to stand for it. We can rest in it. We're empowered in it. And then we're not going to be selfish because we know that everybody counts because if one person is missing, we will stop what we're doing to grab them so they can hold on to the vision so it can be their vision no matter what the cost is. And that's what we're deriving to. So if it's spirituality, if it's talking about um, uh, social services, if it's talking about health um, health and uh, wellness. We're going to try to have every intersectionality of our trans community that keeps us living, keeping us thriving, um, to be in community. Because I said earlier, because the joy of the six days is as us receiving and creating our own utopia, our own Garden of Eden during that particular time in hope that when they are so empowered, they go back, find um, to continue the fuel that they received at the conference. So things can become permanent and we're not selfish. So the next year comes around, you can bring others with you because there is water at the well every year. And the water is not running out. As more we have at the table, the water is filled for everybody to receive what they need. That's why it's a diverse program. What they need when they come, people are taking off work for a whole week. That's the only vacation that they got. Some people don't even have a job. And, you know, and they buddy up your room. You know, we are a family. If they show up, they're going to eat. If they show up and mm-hmm. have a place to lay their head. If they show up, because we realize that if we don't give back to our own family, it's a slap in the face when we try to give to others who are privileged. We are unprivileged right. people coming together to make them feel privileged because guess what, at the end of the day, we are privileged because we showed up to be counted.
1: But I was saying <laughs> that you do, and talking about that, which is, which is sort of like a segue, is the Mr. and Ms. pageant. Now, these are amazing people who are also our great ambassadors for BTAC yes. throughout the year. Talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, Carter, you know, talk about the importance of having that and what it means. As you go out into the other chapters, as they're going out and about in their community, they are, mm-hmm. their royalty.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, and so the uh, the Tips is the uh, acronym that we use for the Black Choice International <laughs> Patenture System, uh-huh. and uh, so we have a, a court for the king and queen, which is Mr. Black Trans and Miss Black Trans uh, International. Uh-huh. Our current ranking court is uh, Mr. Trenton Johnson here in Dallas, Texas, is our Mr. Black Trans. <laughs> Trans International is Tiffany Starr of Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, the passenger system is absolutely mind blowing and it has done amazing things in such a short time. I mean, the impact that it's had. So the mission of the pageantry system is to bridge the gap between pageantry and advocacy, because again, you know, our whole mission to not leave anybody out. uh, We did recognize that, you know, trans people are everywhere, you know, they're in the ballhouse, mm-hmm. they're in the pageantry system, um, you know, they're a part of the leather community, you know, we're everywhere. And so, um that was one of the things one of the primary motives for creating the pageantry system was to reach more sisters, more mm-hmm. trans women that were in the entertainment and pageantry system, um, that weren't primarily um advocates Um, but had a lot to offer to the community and just offering them a different avenue um, in order to couple their talents with. Um, And so, you know, it took off. It has been absolutely amazing. I didn't know anything about pageants at first, but I can tell you that is definitely one of my favorite events, my personal favorite events of the conference is watching the pageant. Um, because Uh just seeing the creativity and the commitment, you know, these, these, these contestants and these people in, you know, my community is, it just leaves me in awe every time. Um, and what's even more remarkable is that you do actually see, you know, just everyday sisters, becoming advocates, you know, they're all, they're creating, you know, leaders in their community. Our current reigning queen, Miss Tiffany Starr, you know, just for my personal observation, prior to being the queen, she, you know, has a, a great record of, you know, reigning and winning pageants and I mean she's an absolutely beautiful woman. She's talented. Um uh, you know, she has amazing costumes that she creates most of on her own. Um but just in this past year as reigning queen of B tips, I've seen her I've seen her evolve from primarily a pageant queen to primarily an advocate. You know, she's gone, you know, it, out of her um, her I would say her comfort uh, zone or her experience her most experienced um areas to you know create community organizations in her local area i mean uh community uh events in her local area um you know with with other women as well as just with the general trans community um she's gone and spoke you know to educate people about trans issues um, she's done, you know, Facebook lives about, you know, various topics that the trans community, uh, wants to talk about, you know, and these are things that she initiates in, in the, in the voice of advocacy versus pageantry, you know, and so what that does is, you know, she has a lot of followers that are a part of the pageantry system that see this and say, Hey, I too can be an advocate for my community. I too can have a voice you know, to make change in my community just with whatever I have to offer, you know. And so, you know, that's been the history of the pageant system, the same with Trenton. You know, he was already an advocate. And so now he's able to show that to the pageant you know, the the, uh, more so pageant side. So they really are bridging the gap, you know, and um, our previous kings and queens um, have done a remarkable job as well. And so that's what we're seeing with this uh, pageantry system and the wonderful success that they've had in not only just, you know, as you said, um, uh, showcasing the beauty and the talents of our people, but they're also creating leaders and making a really big impact just by, you know, having their presence shown as a passive mm-hmm. person and being an advocate.
1: Now, it's interesting because I had talked to someone from Chicago who's involved in it, and that's what they were saying, that not only was it a status thing, but it was about, it hit them that they had a responsibility to use that platform mm-hmm. to advocate for right. issues around the community. I, I look at that, and that's what I see. I see them out there. they that to me is what makes them royalty is like, They're not just sort of saying, oh, I've got a crown. They are advocating. I've seen some of the things that Tiffany has been engaged in. I'm going like, hey, you know, she's using Mm -hmm. that platform to sort of pull people in to talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. I said, sometimes we get our foot in the door whichever way we can, and once it's open, we speak up and we speak out. Well, we're going to take Mm -hmm. our second break here. Um, And when we come back, I want to go over some of the things that we're going to do uh, at this year's conference and talk about a little bit about registration and those things. So we'll be right back.
0: Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode.
1: We're back. Okay. Uh, Now, the dates, I believe, are April 23rd to the 29th. Um, Are you having at the same host hotel as uh, last year?
3: Uh, No. We switched to a different hotel this year, and the attendees are absolutely going to love it. Um, We are at the Wyndham uh, Dallas Suites. It's still in Mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas. Um, And all of the rooms are suites, meaning that they are larger uh, because you know as, as uh, we stated a lot of times we do have people that um, like to cut costs or we like to make it affordable and so um, having a room share is a very popular option for our attendees so in the feedback um, from our attendees and our efforts to accommodate um, we've booked with a hotel that has all suites meaning so all the rooms have a separate Uh, bedroom and living area Um, you know with the pull-out sleeping sofa and a little kitchenette so you know if you're staying for an extended extended amount of time it's going to provide more comfortability um, to our attendees as well as the hotel Uh, you can look at it online it's amazing but it's more of a courtyard style um, within and so I'm very excited about being at this hotel because it's actually going to feel like we have our own little town, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. occupying hotel and it having like sort of a circular feel. Um, I envision like a little bitty Dallas version of a trans Wakanda (laughs) or something.
1: And are we going, are we going to have our, our family picnic again this year?
3: Yes, that is a must. That's now a staple of b So many people come and they very much look forward to family day, including myself. So we'll definitely be back at the ranch having another really, really <laughs> awesome uh, family day, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Kamara, you were uh, telling, mentioned how, like, everybody, you know, if you get there, you're going to be welcome. Some, what would you say to someone who's, like, on the fence and they're going like, oh, I got to get to Dallas? Uh, but they maybe someone would say, "Well, I'll be by myself. No one will take me in. I'll be. I might feel isolated. I don't have a group mm-hmm. to go with." What would you say to that person?
2: Well, you know, the first thing that I that I always try to promote is transparency. You know, we don't know if you need to level of assistance uh, unless you let us know. You know, and sometimes we have to. I'm not going to say that we're in position of problem, but you know. We, we have to really find a way to articulate that so we can turn around and help. We do have some some programs um, still available possibly, you know, if they would like just to reach out to us through our registration link, uh, and that will go through, of course, our conference coordinator. And then from there, we have a review board that will, you know, kind of prioritize the amount of assistance that we're able to still give out at this particular time. I will say that you know if I can plug in an advertisement, you know our scholarship portal is still up. We're still seeking you know uh, personal and private and corporate donations. That is actually how we get individuals who are you know who's quite don't ha- can't make budget to get here. Um, we have an opportunity where we are able to link um, individuals as roommates. Uh, we've done that in, in the past at every conference. Um, to a scholarship opportunity, that I guarantee you, if you can get here, because that's as big of the cost, if you can get here, we, you know, we will establish, you know, some type of housing, you know, um, you know, you will eat. Um, you know, it's a family reunion. We're blessed. We always have come together, rubbed two nipples together, and had a smorgasbord of a spread, you know, for everybody to to enjoy themselves and feel as if, you know, that they're a family because they are. So I just encourage, you know, in order for us to continue the efforts of allowing everyone the opportunity who's going through hardship is is to donate five, ten, fifteen, a hundred, a 1, thousand. Any amount really does help because it's we have we have utilized that, you know, from previous years and we want to continue being the leading national only black you know, trans organizations to, to very proud ourselves that we've never left anyone behind, ne- never mm-hmm. left anyone behind. Mm-hmm. And then we have opportunities for some people when they do get here to compensate, you know, for the generosity, you know, we may need a few more hands on deck. So volunteer, you know, we may assign them to do something for a few hours, you know, just, you know, um, just so they can understand, too, what we had to do to get them here you know, and the things that we have to do. And we've had some volunteers in that capacity who is now part of, who volunteer each year as part of working after our planning is complete. So uh, we are family. And I can probably speak on the whole BTAC attendees is, is that there is somebody along with leadership that is more than happy, you know, to help, to extend uh, because it's been done previously before. And I don't mind telling my own truth. You know, there was one year, as I was going through transition, and I kind of struggled, you know. Um, and I'm very transparent. You know, we don't get paid, you know, for the work that we do leading this type of movement. But my family came together, you know. And I guarantee mm-hmm. you, I probably gained 10 pounds when I left on, <laughs> on their dime because they were very generous. I had a place to lay my head, you know. Um, and it just wasn't just something thrown together. And I'm, I'm being transparent. Because I think that the, one of the, the best actions of a leader is to be very honest. I have been there, so I certainly can emphasize, you know, um, when the assistance is needed, we will be in position, you know, to be able to give. But we do have some things in place that we do have to report back in so we can justify. And I have to, you know, now speak on a business standpoint to justify, but we have a track record of 100% that we've never left anyone behind. We just want them, if, if they can show up, um, then they are in community. And if, if whatever we can do to help them, we will put our heads together uh, and we will make sure that they absolutely can be here and have a glorious time uh, because this is also an opportunity to network. We've had a lot of mm-hmm. attendees who have came and made friends and family and been in community and network, and they've relocated to you know their new BFF area because that's where work was at, uh, that's where sustainable housing was. So we're actually you know coming together as a family, but there are tools that they're leaving with, and you know some referrals that they're living referrals at that that they're leaving with, and so we we just want to make sure that everyone knows that they, everybody have a seat at the table. And, you know, and it won't be removed because you didn't have the financial to get here. We will do our best to do our part and be in community.
1: Facebook page. It says that the general registration for workshops is free. All access registration is $150. What does the all access registration include?
3: The all ex- all access registration includes um access to all of the events the evening events, so that would be uh the trans manifest live show um the b tips pageant and you know again these uh-huh. these events can also be paid for a la carte um but one fifty would get you into everything um and actually the one fifty amount that you quoted is for the uh the v i p
1: so, um, but, so if they weren't able to come, they could, like you said, they could pick and choose what they wanted to go to and just pay for the yes. uh, entry to that event.
3: And some people come at the later part of the week, you know, everybody can't mm-hmm. get a week off. So if they just want to come, you know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, then, you know, and they just want to pay for the pageant, the gala, and family day separately, then that's definitely an option. 150 is the value or the uh, the uh, discounted um, price to get access to all of those events for um, a discounted price.
1: Registration is open. Um, I, I know that we're still, you know, we're still taking those donations. How, what's the best way for someone to register to find out more? The well, I think it's a little
2: it apart. Well, I don't know if you want to talk on that, Carter. I would just say the best way is if is, is the you know we need we need things to be tracked. So it's to go to the website. All of the information on the BlackTrans.org website will lead them to the conference registration. Everything is self-explanatory, all the way down from the a la carte to what's free, what's VIP. Mm-hmm. Um, they will eventually find the permanent schedule, so they can start picking and choosing. We're hoping that they'll be able to come to all of it, but we know some people are also taking vacation time. Um, as well so we try to factor that in and leave room on the program for them to explore Dallas uh, but everything is here all the way to contact so when we speak about you know those that are having maybe some hardships so we can be able to look at our um, Minister Bobby Jean Baker Memorial Scholarship you know which we honored her because that woman when she was living will give her last and um, mm-hmm. she's done that even with us or whatnot and helped many of people to be able to come, even when she was going through her own hardships and sacrifice and her attendance, to allow someone else to come. And so, you know, everything that is needed on the black Dot website um, and contact information is available so it can get to the appropriate uh, parties. You know, we, we're getting so um, big in our programmatic that, you know, we have to channel some of the things. Otherwise, Carter and I will only begin two hours of sleep at night. And heaven yeah. forbid, you know, <laughs> Mrs. Carter you know, won't get none at all because, you know, around this time or whatnot, you know, she has made it her personal uh, voting process to make sure as an ally, you know, that, you know, we're able to at least get a, you know, minimum of four hours of rest. Um, so she really kind of balanced us and helped us out. But, again, Michelle, I think if they just go to the website, um, some people, you know, our Facebook um have information on their nose direct them to the website and there's other individuals that if you just Google black trans men or black trans women or or, uh, black trans uh, advocacy conference there are a lot of people who have a hundred percent of participation since we've been in conception that can also lead them to information as well did I
3: miss anything, Carter? Uh, that about covers it. I would only add that um, they can also reach us directly by phone at 855-255-8636 or direct email at blacktransmen at com. And, again, both of those uh, outlets are answered 24 hours a day. Like www? B- yeah, so it's uh, btac, b-t-a-c
1: dot uh-huh.
3: black trans.org, and that'll take you directly to the website or the uh, page link for the conference information. btac.blacktrans.org.
1: Well, I want to thank you both for taking the time to share again about this conference. I think you know, I always tell people about it and encourage them to, I mean, to check it out and because you set an example that goes beyond those six days as to how we can work together so that mm-hmm. we all have equality and justice. So I want to thank you both for all you do and for being with me today.
2: Well, thank you, you know, for inviting us, Michelle. The show. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: again, we just want to thank you for your consistent support. I mean, mm-hmm. literally since day one, you have been in, Mm-hmm. a hardcore ally and we really thank you. Um, uh, my only question is when are you coming to the conference?
1: I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get there. You know, I'm going to get there. You know, I expect ESPY yeah, to, I, I to show up one day saying, get in the car, Michelle, you come coming, you know, but, um, yeah, but like I said, I am always with you in spirit and you always have, have my support. Um, That means a lot. Until we see each other's face. Okay, well, safe travels to both of you, and thanks again. Thank you. Good night. I want to thank today's guest on Collections, Carter Brown and Reverend Kamarian Anderson, co-conveners of the Black Trans Advocacy Conference and Awards Gala. BTAC 2018 takes place in Dallas, Texas, from April 23rd to 29th. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual. Living Between the Lines, Standing Boldly in the Crosshairs of Air Intersectionality, and Creating Change, right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.